I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight as always is the lovely and talented ren wellox hello and also the ghostly amanda who is in the background and 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 doing her thing because that's what she does and she does it well so we love her um so in this episode we are going to be talking with um the actual director and writer of an upcoming documentary, which we hope you will go and support uh, via Kickstarter. They've got about eight days left on their Kickstarter. When this airs, there'll be about a week left on it. And uh, right now they're at $19,591 and they have a goal of $50,000. And this is for the Doc of the Dead. Um, For those of you who are George Romero fans, you really want to see this made. It is an amazing looking film. Um, right now they have uh, footage filmed already for it, and they have some great trailers, most of them starring Simon Pegg, who we Ooh. all love. Yes, of we course. love the Pegg. And um, Doc of the Dead is basically a, a uh, it is made by Alexander Philippe, who is uh, going to be our guest tonight. And he is the man behind The People vs. George Lucas, a great documentary that you can catch on Netflix and, and really streaming. Good. I'm Yes, it's very, very awesome. Uh, great film. And he's got a great style with how he does his stuff. There's a lot of humor involved. And the Red Letter Media guys are also part of this project. So Mr. Plinkett is uh, in the documentary, actually. So it's it's a great film. And what it's doing is chronicling the zob- zombie genre and the zombie movement of the last few years and why we absolutely love these things. And no one can really answer the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> They're gross and nasty and there's no reason you should like them. But we do and we pretend to be them quite often. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, no one knows. No one knows why we love the zombies, but we love them. So, you know what? I've never even questioned it till now. Why do I like zombies? Well, that's going to be a great question for Alexander, because uh, even George Romero in the um, clip that you can actually go up on their Kickstarter page, it's kickstarter.com slash projects slash exhibit a pictures slash doc of the dead and uh, doc hyphen of hyphen the hyphen dead. <laughs> it's very long and we will have a, uh, a link to it up on Fangirl Magazine. Um, yeah. But please donate because there's some cool little um, kickbacks you'll get from it. And also we get to look at Simon Pegg and he's always cute. And, 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 and we want to pet his little, little little hair and just say, it's okay, baby. His non-existent okay. belly anymore. My God. He's so fit. Anyway, <laughs> we, we won't go into that now. <laughs> we'll be talking about Simon Pegg and his hotness all day. So yeah. I wanted to get into... Um, the Weekend Geek, and since we're on Zombies, might as well talk about it right now because we also have a brief um, interview I did with Greg Nicotero uh, this week regarding the last episode of The Walking Dead, which Greg directed. And uh, he's a multi-talented man. And uh, it was great to get to talk to him. We also talked to Danae, who plays Michonne on the show. And um, it was interesting to get to hear more from her. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any audio from her on this one. Um, but uh, it was interesting to get some takes from her on things in regards to uh, the series. And um, the what makes Michonne tick. 
And uh, there's been a lot that he actually knows more of Michonne's backstory than anybody else because Kirkman and company actually told her what it was. Nice. So he has the history in, in, in her head as she's playing this character. So keep that in mind when you are thinking about how, oh, she's so mysterious. Oh, they're, they're pulling this whole, um, this, you know, mystery. Uh, Island badass type. Yeah, it's actually, there is a history there, and they're slowly going to give us more of it. But I, I really loved getting to talk to Greg about this episode, because uh, if you guys didn't read my long-winded um, review of it, this one kind of got me, and I was really um, just amazed by how much in an hour they packed in, in regards to storytelling and back story to this, uh, to what's going on there. And uh, Ren, unfortunately, Smack hasn't seen the I'm episode sorry. yet. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're not sorry. But no. I caught up from last time, so I've seen everything up to where Laurie and T Dog die. And can I just ask, like, can, this is my big question about what happened from what I've seen so far. Does the last prisoner standing guy become part of the group? And if so, have they really just pulled like a switcheroo on replacement black guy? Everybody's saying that. <laughs> Why did they do that? That is so I, obvious. I well actually, um, and I talked to Irony and uh, uh, right after that episode aired, and and he had he knew going in that his character was going to die, and he was supposed to die three episodes in, oh. and and um, he got kept around, and he was very happy about that, and then he got a great heroic ending, and yeah. that's really really cool, and a lot of props to him for being popular enough in, in, uh, in a character that was only supposed to be around for three episodes that he stretched it out to two seasons. Well, that's good. pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, the two, there's actually two, two, um, inmates now and, uh, they're, they're kind of getting, uh, being brought into the group. So that's, oh, that's, right. that's Must, mustache man still exists, right? Yeah. Mustache man that, yeah. um, I believe his name's Lou, and Lou is actually friends with Todd and Amanda and Jackalope. So nice. hopefully at some point we can get him on the show because he's been in everything, and I really <laughs> like him. And he has a fantastic mustache. I know. He's it's so good. He's so cute. Um, but I, I really loved this episode and just all of the, um, you know, like in the, in the review I called out all these things that I saw within it. And it was really neat because I got to ask Greg about it. And um, I wanted to know if I was making this crap up or talking out of my ass or if that was really what they were trying to convey. And sure enough, they were. And um, it was kind of neat to find out because uh, all the detail that went into this stuff and especially, um, Ren's not seen it yet, so she's just going to get spoiled. Um, the, the scene with Rick and the zombie that ate Lori. And it did eat Lori. That scene ate Lori, and um, it was spoken about on The Talking Dead, but it was great because Greg told about how they went into the design of the thing to even convey more of it, and the fact that it had hair around its mouth and stuck on its hand. It was just grisly, grisly shiznit. um, There wasn't much of her to eat, though, to be frank. Well, yeah, they it shows the dragging trail. You, uh, the, yeah. the trail of blood. No, I, I'm sure one zombie would eat well, but I'm just saying. You know, well, that, that's are... the thing. The zombie had a distended belly from where it had gorged oh, itself. Oh God! Yeah. And 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 if you read the review, like I said, he he really was trying to cut open the zombie to see Lori. Ah. Uh. And it get it's really dark and grisly. That episode just has so many things going on and just dark and and twisted stuff. So I don't know if I can take it. Uh, and and uh, oh, Amanda has asked about the bones. Um, well, it there's pieces of Lori that we're not going to see. They're around the corner, and you're not going to see them because it couldn't eat all of her. It got it got bloated, yeah. and um and but what's even more effed up uh, in that scene, besides the fact that Rick is so lost at that point that he's trying to cut open the zombie to see his dead wife's gooey yeah. remains, um, is the fact that that was truly the the bullet that Carl shot into her head that he picks up and keeps he keeps yeah. the bullet, um. 
because Carl, you know, at the end of the episode, shoots Lori to keep her from turning. And uh, the one thing I want to know about, and no one would share, um, is what happened with Carol. Carol didn't, we didn't see her die. But at the end of that episode, there's this beautiful scene of, I'm just going to tell you, if 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 you're a Norman Reedus fan, that episode made your squee meter just go Boom. <laughs> oh, I can't wait now. I'm going to watch it tonight. Oh, you're going to die when you see it. Because you're the one oh, that would marry Reedus, right? You were talking about no, I, Well, <clears throat> uh, nothing against the Reedus. He, he might make a nice husband, of, but I'm spoken for. <laughs> um, he's nice to look at. Yeah, well, there's a scene with him holding a baby with his biceps showing while he's holding the baby and going, oh, hey, there, little boo, this is a little ass kicker. And it's like, oh, every woman in the in, every woman just boom, their ovaries went, like, no, <laughs> no. And um, it's like bicep and baby, you can't do better than that. And then on top of that, at the end of the episode, they have the graves bare, you know, um, that they have dug. And you see Daryl go over and lays a Cherokee rose on one of the graves. Hey, now, we Casey. all... Is, He's a little Cherokee rose. I mean, no, I haven't seen this yet. So, like, you, what you're telling me is surprise, and I'm mad. Is everybody else kind of mad going, like, did they seriously kill her and not show us? I... Now, here's the thing. You don't know if that grave... You, they probably is supposed to be Carol's grave, but I don't think she's dead. I... Mm-hmm. they all, I, all they found was her little headscarf. You don't see her die, but... Yeah. Everyone, um, you know, me and everyone else that was talking to Nicotero and and, and um, Danae were asking, are we going to find out what happened to Carol? WTF? And yeah. and uh, they're like, you'll find out. Because see, well, next week. Up is, yeah, well. Oh, well, okay. Next, I, sorry. I take that back. Yeah, you never, this, no one is safe in this show. <laughs> um, not even Redis. Not even Redis. So next week. Um, or this weekend, as of this airing, Sunday's episode is going to be the mid-season finale. Right. As far as I know. And it they're already filming episode, the 15 and 16 are getting ready to be filmed, if not 15 already is done. And Nicotero is actually directing episode 15, and there's one other one that he's directing. And if, and you can tell the man's got talent with the directing stuff. He is so into it. It's great to hear him talk. So anyway, I'm going to play that right now. And then um, we will uh, do uh, the rest of the Week in Geek, and then we will bring on our special guest. So here is Greg Nicotero um, giving us some details about the last episode of The Walking Dead. Um, Hey, Greg. Uh, Of course, my question. Uh, Hey. (laughs) So I have uh, a question, a couple questions for you. Um, So what I took from this episode was it's kind of like the epitome of shattering of beliefs and the delusions of the characters. And um, it kind of epitomizes at the end with Rick and uh, sort of also the mirror of the two camps where you've got this horrible darkness of the prison and you've got this sweet scene with the baby. But at Woodbury, you have this idyllic town and you have this horrible bloodthirstiness in the middle of it. And um, I wanted you to talk about sort of that because you've got the delusions of the governor. You've got Rick's delusions. You've got Andrea not wanting to see what's in front of her. Um, right. And um, also, I was wanting to find out how, just as a director and an actor, what did you and Andrew talk about and go through for that scene of him um, just losing his, basically his shit at the end? Because that was some powerful stuff. Yeah, it was, he, I'll tell you, he, he was, everyone was fantastic. Um, yeah, you're, you're right, you know, I mean, one of the clear uh, ideas in the, in, the, in the script was that we start on a very light, uh, with a party scene, and then cut directly from that to Rick reeling from Lori's death. And as that scene progresses, Woodbury becomes darker and darker because we see the um, we see Michonne finding the walkers and killing them. Then we have this fantastic scene with the Michonne and Michonne and the governor, which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. Um, and then as it gets darker and darker, we get into the, the gladiator fights. Woodbury clearly has uh, some seedy underbelly uh, that Michonne was right about all the time. You know, her instincts are correct, you know. Um, and then at the prison, we find some salvation because 
go looking for uh, for formula, and they survive, and they they succeed in their mission. So getting them back to the prison and getting that great moment where Daryl nicknames the baby ass kicker, you know, it, it's it's really nice to see that the uh, the, the storylines diverge. I mean, initially you start off with Woodbury going, "Yeah, this is the place to be," and this is where, she, and the prison is this horrible, dark, dank place. And at the end of it, Woodbury doesn't look quite as cheery um, as as we were led to believe at the beginning. And the prison, they, there is a little bit of light there. And the sequence, shooting the sequences with Andy, you know, what was really important to both of us was we shot all his stuff in sequence. You know, we started, we spent one day and just really let him sort of delve into it. And the scene with, with Rick and Glenn where he grabs Glenn and throws Glenn up against the wall. That was a really important moment and I remember reading the script and going to Stephen Young and saying, hey, how do you feel about it getting a little physical here? You know, clearly Rick has gone off the deep end and he doesn't want any interaction with anyone. He's just, he's clearly just just on, you know, bloodlust. He, he's going to kill every walker he comes in contact with until he finds Lori. So when Glenn gets in his face and touches his arm, you know, Andy actually grabs him and threw him up against the wall. And both of those guys just loved it becoming physical. You've never seen Rick ever do that to any of our other characters, especially Glenn, of all people, who, we, you know, we love his character so much. So we spent that entire day just sort of descending into that place, and then we ended that last that last moment in the boiler room and you know we had we had this guy Alex in prosthetic makeup he was covered from head to toe in the bloated belly and all that stuff on and um, you know we had an insert chest for for him to stab into but he just got he just really got into it and we really played it in that wide you know in that wide but it was fantastic. Yeah, it was amazing. And I get the feeling that Rick has a lot of unresolved guilt because she stayed pregnant for him. And that's kind of the vibe I got from that, too, was he, yeah. he blamed himself. So you guys amaze me every week. So thank you for that. That was an awesome episode. Okay, we're back. So um, I hope you enjoyed that. It was. It's always great to hear um, from Greg. And he gives such great insight too and you can hear the joy in his voice when he talks about zombies so it just makes me happy um but i wanted to get into a few things and i know uh, ren's got a couple of things as well um but for weekend geek i just have to say you know with all this uh star wars being bought by disney um stuff that went on and uh now we've got star wars episode seven is happening and they've got a writer the one thing that's terrifying everyone on the internet and in the um, Star Wars fandom, as well as myself, because God, I don't really want them to do this, is they're talking about bringing Darth Vader back from the dead. That is the rumor. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. No! And that would totally destroy the entire ending of Return of the Jedi. It would, but I kind of know why they're doing it. Because I heard a long, long time ago, not in, the, in this galaxy... Um, <laughs> far, far away. The, the idea of the triple trilogy is the whole... Well, and I always interpreted this differently, but someone was telling me that it's the story of Anakin Skywalker. And the first three are his uh, fall, you know, his uh, right. corruption. And the next three are his redemption told through his son's eyes. So you could make an argument for the final three also being about Anakin Skywalker. No, I mean, I, I always I, figured it was it was a continuation of watching Luke Skywalker. But I, I, I think that, well, I think that that, I, I know they're talking about Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford all coming back and playing the older versions of their characters. I would be fine with that. I would love, you know, I would love for them to have Amara Jade and have the Duke. twins come Duke, in there. Yep. I think it would be epic. I, I, I mean, those the novels and the comic books have been and some of the best Star Wars stories around. Absolutely. I mean, I read piles of those. I can't even count the number of Star Wars novels I read when I was a teenager. And that's what gives me pause is if you match up the age of the actors now to the age of their of what their characters are, right. there is piles and piles and piles of stories. Like, you don't have a lot of leeway if you're going to try and keep it canonical. 
there's some pretty well-established stories that you got to kind of tell because you're not going to squeeze anything else in there. No, and, and I, I think that they, I know that Mark Hamill would be down for it, and I I'm, I know that they've been talking to Carrie Fisher, and I seriously wouldn't doubt a bit that Harrison Ford would be back for Han Solo. I think they should do it. I don't think they should be afraid of bringing the original cast back at all. No, I don't think so either, but it just means that, I mean, Disney's not going to want to tell someone else's story. They're going to make their own plot, which means they're going to take it off of what a lot of us think is canon by the timeline of the novels, so... It's going to diverge a little bit, which as like a, like if I put on my super nerd hat, like that bugs me, but it'll still be a, it'll still be a Star Wars movie. So, and I think it, I think it will be a damn good improvement over, um, over what they have. We've, there's nothing, they can't do worse. You know, the final word that convinced me was a coworker when he said, if they can pry it out of Lucas's hands, it can only get better. Right, and the other part of that, too, is they're saying that he might be trying to look at the script. I'm like, no, no. If it's Disney, if Disney has paid you $4 billion for something, they're going to go, no, George, go sit in yeah. the corner and, pl- and play in your money. Leave us yeah. alone. You, um, we'll get premier pass. Yeah, you'll get a pass. Comes out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the other thing that um, was announced or leaked this week, and I was... I, oh, God, please, please <laughs> don't let this screw up. Okay, so uh, everyone knows I have a real problem with the uh, the character of Pepper Potts in the Iron Man movies. Not yes. in the comic books, just in the movies. I have a problem. Most of this stems from Iron Man 2, where she turned into a giant harpy grasshopper monster. <laughs> and I, uh, I liked what I got of her in Avengers. Because, because it, it was, was like two minutes long. Well, and also she had character. There was character there, but at the same time, they've what they've done with that character is she's not the comic book character. There's not been enough story for Pepper to grow, mm-hmm. and they've also made her very anti Iron Man in the way that you know I don't want my man out there flying around and being put at risk and blah blah blah. So now, what I've read about, they're going to have Pepper get her own suit of armor, as they did in the comics, but not with, with the whole arc of the character that has gone through, um, really worries me. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, that's a whole, it, that, that's a whole story within itself, the story of Pepper Potts becoming rescue and all of that. Uh, but now you've got that in there, along with the um, storyline of uh, Extremis, which is supposed to be in there with the Guy Pierce character having, right. you know, that whole deal. And then you're also having the Mandarin in there. Is the Mandarin in there, too? Yes. Good Lord, they've packed him in. They're pulling they, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, they are. And it worries me. At first, I was really—I'm ex- still excited for it because it's Shane Black. I trust Shane Black. Shane Black's given me a lot of enjoyment in my life. It's—he's gi- given me the the Boondock Saints. He's given me Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But this is starting to sound like they're trying to make this another Avengers movie in terms of how many people Ew. we can cram into it. And now what I have heard is they're going to have Wasp in there. Oh God. So Ugh. even if it's a cameo spot, that's fine. But but I this whole thing with Pepper and the whole suit thing, I really don't like it. I don't it's nothing against Pepper Potts. I love that character in the comics. I don't like the character in the movies. They haven't given her enough Neat. I, and I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's there. There's an arc there. There's a journey there that leads to the you know the decision to do something like that to put on one of those suits and all of the responsibility and danger that comes with it. And you don't just hand that to your girlfriend like you're handing her a keys to you know a new car. Also, how do you fly it? How do you, do you know how it? to fly that? How do you know how to fly that pepper? Box? Oh, well, they wouldn't. <laughs> They would not have a, uh, they wouldn't miss an opportunity for a, a Black Sabbath-backed montage of learning how to but, fly the suit. But they did with Rhodey. Oh, well, he's smart. 
Um, that's no, and also, how does he power it? He doesn't have an arc reactor in his chest. At least Pepper in the comics gets the thing in her chest that will power it, but they don't have that with Rhodes, so they never explained how that worked. Well, how did they explain it in the movie? In the comics, I never read. I never read Iron Man comics. Horrible confession. But how was how was uh, War Machine suit powered? He, I believe they built it differently. Mm. But in the in that and that's my problem with the movie verse version, is uh-huh. that just suddenly this guy knows how to fly this suit, even though he's a pilot. It's it's it not, It's not the same. Yeah, and you had this whole montage of Tony learning trial by fire, literally destroying his cars, <laughs> figuring out how to do it. And I just have a problem with this because I get the feeling this is suddenly going to be Pepper Potts is going to be willing to go into an Iron Man suit now after being, uh, you know, you know, you know what they'll do. They'll make their best attempt at a story arc, you know, in a single film and they're, they'll yeah. make their best. But they're cramming so much in the reason. Sorry. Uh, the reason I found Iron Man one so good, you know, it was such a good movie was it, focused on character before anything else and that's why Joss Whedon is so awesome is he is able to take a a cast filled with people and give everyone their equal due and make them all characters Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm I got a real superficial reason for being bothered by the Pepper Potts thing, and that's just because I don't really like Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't either. (laughs) Not not as this character. She just... I don't know. I don't know. I have... uh, Julia Roberts. Can't watch either. They bug me. They they bring forth anger, and I don't know why. (laughs) You know, Gwyneth Paltrow... Uh, you did shallow how you did you do good comedy. I loved you in the Avengers as Pepper because you gave. Pe- oh shit! <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> That's Gwyneth Paltrow calling Ren right now to complain. Don't be mad at me. proof, but that was it. But I just have a problem with. Um, I don't know. That it's not probably even Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. It's it's just they've not really given her a lot to do with that character and 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 meets the writing. But I always thought that someone like I don't know um, Maggie Gyllenhaal maybe or or uh, maybe you know I don't know someone like uh, even Parker Posey. Even though um, who's a posh. She was in the fourth Shyamalan movie. She's that famous director's daughter. Crikey, he was Opie. It was was he Opie when he was? A oh, kid? oh, 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 oh! Wait, wait, wait! Bryce that Dallas Ham. Ham- yes, Bryce, Bryce Dallas, Dallas, Dallas Howard. Howard. He would be good I too. I see. I just think it's. Instructor. Yeah, I think it's just the. the I, I think it's just how they've written her, and and Iron Man two hurt my opinion of that character. So oh, it hurt much. everything. It hurt everything, but especially they wrote her like a harpy. Anyway, you know what? Funny, funny enough, of all the things I hated in that movie, she was not. She was like way, way low of like only mildly irritating, and I hated so much more. More, (laughs) I did not. I didn't find her very harpy. It's because I found her um, understandably pissed off with a guy who was acting like a dick. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say that because it was true. But at the same time. She came off like such a harpy in that movie, and I, to this day, I can't. Those scenes of the two of them trying to be smartly bickering hurt my ears so <laughs> bad. I just can't do it. So, right. um, really quick, I just wanted to mention one thing that I was very happy to hear about, and then, um, and that is Terry Pratchett. Um, announced that uh, the co-writer on his Discworld TV series, The Watch, that's coming out is going to be his daughter. Yay! So, it sounds like because he's getting ready, uh, there's this wonderful interview, if you go out and um, read it, um, that was uh, released online not too uh, this week with him. And uh, he talks about fighting the uh, Alzheimer's that he's dealing with and where he's at now with it and to the point that he can't use a keyboard. He's using uh, voice recognition software to write with. Um, But he's just preparing and he's handing the reins to Discworld to his daughter and that's beautiful and and sad at the same time but still beautiful because it's one generation's taking over from another. Mm -hmm. 
and so many people, including myself and my husband and, and everyone that I know, including Rachel, we absolutely love the Discworld books. They're they're awesome, and um, I this makes me happy. It's sad, but at the same time, good to hear. So, um, with that, Ren, what do you have for Week of Geek? Well, very exciting news. Again, off in a completely divergent realm, um, but only uh, vaguely remotely connected to what I usually talk about, which is SpaceX. But uh, the guy who created SpaceX also created Tesla Motors, and Tesla Motors is um, an electric car company, and they are ridiculous because they make these gorgeous freaking cars, gorgeous cars um, that, you know, they look like luxury pieces of gold. And um, the idea is that they not cost like that, though, so they want everybody to be able to buy one. The exciting news is this electric vehicle was just declared the Motor Trend Car of the Year, which is huge. Absolutely freaking huge. Motor Trend Magazine, one of the biggest, you know, uh, outfits, you know, when they come to rating vehicles, it's a big, big accolade. And it's the Tesla Model S. Go online, Google it. It's freaking gorgeous, especially in red. Um, 100% electric. And uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it's available. You can buy it. You can plug that bad boy in. I want one. I thought that was pretty exciting because that just happened. And it's a it's going to be a pretty big historic thing because usually you get like huge Dodge trucks <laughs> are the yeah. car of the year. You know, like this is not. This is this is so divergent. This is this is a big upset for the for the world of cars. My next thing I'm going to do is I've got to find out whether they have already or if they are going to review the Tesla Model S on top. Gear, because I really want to watch that. I want to watch. Um, gosh, I blanked on his name. What's the tall, annoying one? <laughs> You're asking Co- the wrong Clarkson. Girl. Clarkson. I want to watch Jeremy Clarkson drive this car. That would make me happy. That's funny. I still love the fact that on Top Gear, I think Rowan Atkinson still has the top spot on time. For he was for- pretty fast. He's not the fastest. They went through two. Okay, I watch a lot of Top Gear. They went through two different, two different. Um, uh, star in a modestly priced cars because after like six or eight seasons they had to get a new car and start over um, ah so yeah. I still think that was funny that Mr. Bean got it I, I, oh, I, yeah. I love Ronak he's, he's but he's like a like complete a car geek yeah. he, he's a complete car geek though so he's the one you need to be afraid of when you yeah. do that kind of stuff also very fast Gordon Ramsay and Tom Cruise well, Cruz doesn't surprise me because he's like a, a race car guy. He he yeah. loves doing the race car stuff. He but he's um, on two wheels on the finish line. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, um, what I uh, we're getting ready to bring on our special guest for the night, but I did want to mention real quick um, as this show's airing on Thursday. For anybody that is, once again, just a reminder, anybody that's in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this weekend, uh, if you want to stop by and say hi, I will be at Horror Hound Weekend, and you can still get day passes at the door. Um, Saturday, you probably won't be able to move, um, because that is the first day that Jamie Lee Curtis will, in fact, be there. Um, but if you show up on Sunday or Friday, you will be able to get in um, with the door passes. I think Sunday may be getting close to limited as well. But Friday you can come in and we will have all the guests there um, sans Jamie. And you will be able to, there will be a showing of the original Halloween. And there will be uh, plenty of panels to see. And uh, Tom Atkins is going to be there, Adrian Barbeau, Lance Guest. So um, it's going to be great. And if you are there, come by, say hi. I'll be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Just saying. And bring her some food because everybody else is going to be bringing her booze. So <laughs> bring her some food because I'd like her to come back. <laughs> I come back every time. I just come back beaten you up. You just leave pieces of yourself. <laughs> pieces of my soul and my heart are left behind. <laughs> and and my liver every hard <laughs> on weekend. But it's still worth it, damn it. <laughs> every bit of death I go through. And, yep. uh, and every brain cell that I kill. Um, so, but yes, please come by. Say hi. It'll be great. And uh, it's going to be uh, a historic event in the annals of Halloween history. So with that being said, Amanda, it's time to bring on our special guest. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to step outside. 
Oh, no so worries. I, I hope that the, uh, well, obviously now we have an ambulance coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're not live. So. Okay. <laughs> so, Zombie so attack is happening ambulance. right now by your house. <laughs> exactly. The apocalypse is on. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so this is a podcast, right? Or, um, um, we're actually a radio show. And, oh, um, right. we're, yeah, and so we, we are actually um, uh, syndicated on a bunch of stations, like about, I think it's like 300 stations in the Midwest, and then also we cool. stream worldwide and available on iTunes as well. Okay, very cool. So, yeah, All it's right, going to be... So, so how, how long is this going to be, roughly? Um, probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. Cool. cool. So, um, I'm going to introduce you, and let me make sure I have your last name. I'm saying it right. Is it Philippe or Philip? Philippe. Yeah, Philippe. Philippe. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Okay, Amanda. So I'm going to do an intro real quick, and then we'll we'll start. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. So everybody, um, welcome Alexander Philippe uh, to the show. He is the director and writer of the um, um, awesome-looking Doc of the Dead, which I um, I know you're uh, on a Kickstarter campaign right now for this, and I I hope and hope this gets made because it looks amazing. Oh, we'll, we'll get it made one, one way or the other. <laughs> Good. But, uh, th- thanks for having me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. No worries. And um, my, my co-host here, uh, let me introduce her, is Ron Wallachs. And um, we were discussing this prior to you coming on. And uh, we've given Ren an existential dilemma. Ren, do you want to bring up your existential dilemma? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, hi, hi, Alexander. Thanks for coming on. But Jay asked this hi. really funny question. She was saying something about that your doco might help us describe why we like zombies, and it suddenly dawned on me that I have never asked that question of myself. I have no idea why I like zombies so much. And now I'm sitting here, you know, uh, kind of a crisis, thinking, why why have I picked zombies over everything else? Why do they intrigue me? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's actually one of those questions that uh, we, we keep asking people. And, you know, if, you, if you've seen our trailer, uh, you've noticed, obviously, that George Romero himself wonders what what exactly is going on here uh, hmm. and uh, I think there's a lot of people asking themselves that, this question and you know there's a lot of theories kind of floating floating around uh, I, I think you know there, there's obviously for me anyway you know there's there's a, a, just a fun uh, inherent to the genre that you know if, I think if you're a horror fan uh, you know zombie movies are just are just fun I mean I think it's fun uh, because you can you can be on the side of the zombies, you can side with the zombies, or you can side with the people shooting the zombies, and it's literally equally fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of complex theories out there. I, I, you know, I, for me anyway, I try not to think too much about it. I just I really enjoy zombie movies. But, uh, in <laughs> well, making in making Doc of the Dead, we're definitely going to ask these questions because it, it is not. Um, it, it, it's just not a coincidence that suddenly zombies now are, are part of the mainstream, you know, part of mainstream culture. Well, do you think it's part, partly one of the theories that I have is that they are so, you know, good fodder to use a phrase for um, and for for storytelling because they're blank slates, but they like what George Romero did with them and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and using them as examples of, say, what. What um, you know the 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 American state of needing to buy things and then the mall culture and then going to the how crazy the military complex went in the eighties. They they're so easy to use because they're blank. Well, that's interesting. I mean, they, they, I guess that's one way to look at it. But they're, they they can also be very complex, you know. And and I guess yes, they, I, I you know if you start with this this idea of I'm going to use zombies, yes, it, it can be blank. But you can build on that, and, and, and you can build so many different layers to that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's so many metaphors that you can attach to it, uh, and, and it's, the metaphors can evolve with, with the time as well. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you just look at a, a recent movie like One of the Dead, which is, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's also very complex, and there's, you know, there's definitely, you know, political messages in there, and... Uh, yeah, that may that may be part of it. Um, I, I think zombies maybe is you know maybe the thing is that they're very versatile. Right, right. Well, and I was just talking to Ren as well about the um, 
the, the book Warm Zombies, or Warm Zombies, geez, Warm yes, Bodies. Zombies. There is no such yes. thing as Warm Zombie. Warm Bodies by Isaac Marin. Um, and 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 that's that book how it talks about basically it's it's sort of how you know you have a, a character like R who's breaking free from it and trying to come back but it's sort of like a racism parable because no one wants to deal with the zombies anymore they 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 want to kill them all they they're not us anymore but they are and there's that that story down there too I mean it's it's really interesting how you can just use them in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and, and you know what? What I'm really interested in specifically too is is how they have become part of the culture. I mean, it's one thing to read you know zombie books and and watch zombie movies, but but you know when when people start really participating uh, uh, very actively in the culture, and I'm not just talking about the zombie walks, but you know obviously the zombie runs and zombie car washes and zombie proms <laughs> and zombie shooting ranges. That. <laughs> That you know, that to me is a sign that there's some really interesting things going on with this. Um, I mean, I you know, I live in Denver, and um, uh, just about you know three weeks or a month ago, uh, you know, we had our annual you know zombie crawl, and the pub crawl? seventeen thousand zombies. The, well, it's a, it's, it's a zombie wad that they actually call the crawl here <laughs> uh, for, for whatever reason. Seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand. That's zombies. incredible. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just getting bigger and bigger every year. And, and I mean, I think that's true everywhere. You know, um, so that's that's pretty fascinating stuff. So I'm I'm curious what you think um, with with the advent of the internet now. Um, it seems like that has just the zombie stuff has just gotten ridiculous. It's just with with the internet coming into play where people can make their own films online and and things like that what do you cover any of that in there because i know you you've you've banded together with the red letter media guys who are awesome um on this and uh i just was curious about that yeah well you know the the of course i mean we're going to try and cover as much as as we can we certainly can't cover everything i mean that that would be impossible but you know, certainly want to look at video games, want to look at fan films. Um, and, you know, like, you know, one of my previous films, The People vs. George Lucas, we're, we're going to make, I mean, this film is going to be a participatory documentary. Um, I mean, I think you, you can't look at mainstream pop culture without uh, tapping into it directly. And that, that's always been my philosophy. And I think that's why, you know, I, I, I want to invite anybody who's done you know, you just, you know, just made a, a zombie film or a, a zombie short or a zombie animation or zombie skit, whatever the case may be, to, uh, to contact us, to submit their footage to us. Uh, if you just go to, to our website, uh, uh there's a submission form there. People can just, you know, basically get all of the guidelines uh, to submit directly to us. So it's uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty simple process. Awesome. Ren, I think I you got really a question. Serious. Yeah, I, I was uh, <laughs> the the age old zombie debate. I was really curious if you guys get into fast versus slow, and if so, do you have a personal preference? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah no, we, we, of course. I mean, I think uh, you know any uh, any zombie fan these days will definitely have that that debate. Uh, you know, if you talk to a guy like Simon Pegg, which we which we have. Um, you know, most definitely he is on the, you know, he's all about the slow zombies, you know. Uh, 28 the, later. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I think the zombie, the zombie purists, as, as uh, uh, you know, we, can, we call them now, are all about the Romero zombies, the slow zombies. The shambling. Um, the shamblers. The shamblers, exactly. <laughs> uh, personally, I gotta say, I, I like them all, and I think um, I... I, I like the fact that there are new and different interpretations. I, you know, I'm probably the only person out there who's actually looking forward to World War Z after watching the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. I, will, I, will, I will tell you why. <laughs> it hurts my yeah. brain. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret. I'm right there with you. I'm still going to see it. I'm probably going to like it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going to like it, but i, I got to say uh, this is the first, you know, really large-scale Hollywood 
uh, you know, zombie film. I mean, they're putting, I think, I think it's like $150 million behind it. Wow. If you're going to put that kind of budget behind a zombie film, personally, I want to see something I haven't seen before. And, I'm, good... and I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that sort of ant-like behavior of the zombie horde, which is something I've never seen before. It's scary in, in a brand new, different way. And I think the thing I have to say about, about genre, any genre, is that it, it needs to change, it needs to evolve, and, if it, and it means, of course, making mistakes. Things are going to happen that fans are not going to like, and that's okay. But, you know, this idea that we can't, you know, that the genre is evolving away from the slow, shambling zombie is not true. There are plenty of films that are still being made in the classic Romero genre. And you know what? We don't have to watch those five zombies. But let's give them a chance. I think, I think it's fun to see new interpretations, and, it's, and we should give it a try. I think the reason that you're the fans and, and I, I was really disappointed with it just because I absolutely loved and I know you have Max Brooks involved with this as well. I love yeah. that book and I was really hoping that they would do something like a faux documentary that would show the, the stories that they were spoken about within the, the World War Z. But I, I don't know what they've really done here. It It's intriguing. I just want to see how they explain that whole wave of zombie thing that's going on in that trailer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, it's, uh, and again, you know, you look at the book, it's, it is a, it is a tough one to adapt. I mean, I think that was probably the question yeah. that everybody was asking, how are they going to adapt this for the screen? So, um, in a way, I kind of hope it's different from the book because I think, I think it's a tough one to adapt. Um, totally. But no, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it could, it could, look, it could, be a disaster as a movie uh, and I'm prepared for that but I still I'm still looking forward to seeing what they do I, I'll, I hope prob- I, I'll, I'll probably be there too <laughs> yeah. you should hey you should you know <laughs> I'll support Max because I love him he's yeah. awesome <laughs> exactly well and you know the thing is to it again if, if this movie flops then this probably means that we're not going to see you know Big scale Hollywood zombie films in the future, and I think that would be a shame. So let's let's support it so that maybe better zombie movies can be made by Hollywood. You know? <laughs> World War Z until something better comes along. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> there is a tagline. Oh, out, <laughs> man. So um, well, hey, it I was. Great. It may be great. It may, it may be. I could be completely wrong. I, they, this is the first trailer we've seen, so we we need to we need to keep our eyes open and hopefully it'll be something good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you though, how did you bring together all of these, um, uh, like Romero, Simon Pegg, Max Brooks? How was it to bring all these guys together uh, to to get behind this documentary? Well, you know, it's it's never never easy, but it uh, it just really happened. I mean, we we were not going to pull the trigger on shooting this film until um, basically Jonathan London from uh, Geekscape, who's also one of our partners on on uh, you know the production side of things, and who's going to be hosting uh, you know portions of the film, uh, basically said, "Oh, well, you know, Simon Pegg's in L.A. right now, and uh, you know he he can do an interview," and that was during the you know the shooting of uh, Star Trek Two. Right. And so we were basically like, okay, fine, let's, we'll just drive to LA, we'll, we'll interview Simon, and that'll be that. And, uh, and it was obviously a phenomenal interview. And, uh, you know, it just, that's pretty much all it took for us to get our, you know, juices flowing and get really excited about, you know, making this film. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm contacting uh, a good friend of mine from, uh, you know, runs a film festival in, in France who, uh, you know, George Romero had been there uh, 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 on their jury recently and and uh they put me in touch with his wife and they said yeah come on back to toronto we'll we'll do an interview and so just one of those things you know one thing led to another and then you know talking to george um he's like well if you can bring kids down to denver with max and uh steve schlossman who wrote the zombie autopsies will uh you know we'll do a zombie town hall meeting i said okay so i thought you know I that's awesome and we just made it happen and it was fantastic i mean you know, we shot this with four cameras. Uh, it, the, the, it was absolutely electric. Um, oh. So, so suddenly we have this just this amazing, uh, you know, what, this just wealth of great 
footage. And, uh, you know, Greg Nicotero said he'll, you know, be happy to participate. And so everybody's kind of coming out now and saying, yes, let's, let's do this, you know. Um, so there you go. It's, it's I, I great. Have, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was no, going to just say it's kind of, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I was just going to say it's great because all of these guys are friends because of their, their mass love of this stuff. So it's like Nicotero, Peg, the first time I ever talked to Greg Nicotero, he said that he would marry Simon Peg if it was allowed. So, <laughs> uh, <nice. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Ren. I'm sorry. I had to get that out there because it's funny. I think I've forgotten my other question because you said zombie town hall meeting and all I can think of is are the zombies in the audience or are the zombies the one answering the questions from the audience? Yeah, no, there were definitely zombies in the audience. Uh, Yeah, no, uh, the the whole idea was basically that, um, you know, we just wanted, uh, uh, you know, George and Max and, and, and Steve to be on stage and just basically, you know, it's like, you know, just imagine them in, in the living room or at the bar, you know, having beers and just, just, you know, talking zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that's what we did. I mean, that's what we put together. And, and uh, it was a packed house. There were about 420 people, I think. And, nice. uh, you know, several zombies in the audience. And so they, they talked for about um, an hour and uh, then took questions from the audience for about 30 minutes. Um, it was very, uh, it was very lively and you'll, you'll definitely see, well, George is actually going to cut the entire program, uh, you know, himself and release that on DVD. So we'll oh, have nice. some, uh, oh, wow. we'll, yeah, yeah. And we'll have, we'll have some, some segments of, uh, uh, of that in, uh, in Back of the Dead as well. So. Fantastic. You, uh, you yeah. mentioned that film festival in France and that made me wonder, do you have any impression about whether this present sort of zombie, renaissance is uh the same is it, is it experiencing the same sort of love in europe at the moment like do, do you get the impression that they like them as much as we do <laughs> i guess that's I'm the sorry, question I can't, i'm sorry i couldn't hear you could, could, could somebody else repeat that uh oh i'm sorry reason you're, no 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 it's, i think it's the way you're coming uh, on you know my phone right now it's uh, a little bit muffled could, could you say that again or somebody sure. else for me? i was just wondering because you mentioned the film festival in france and i I wondered if, yeah. if that meant that you knew whether zombies are as big over there as they are over here. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, zombies are huge. In fact, uh, that's a fairly small festival. It's uh, in Kazbul, which is, you know, it's, it's a pretty small town um, on, uh, you know, the uh, eastern side of France, close to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, border to uh, Germany. And, uh, and, you know, they have a zombie walk there. Uh, and I think this year they had, a, they had about 4,000 zombies. You know, I mean, it's, you four, know, did it's you just say 40,000? No, no, 4,000. 4, sorry. 4, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like the entire population of Pikeville, they're just they're all zombies. <laughs> no, because then you'd be asking yourself, wait, are these people pretending to be zombies or are we actually in an apocalypse scenario here? No, no, I mean, I'm talking like a serious, like, you know, <laughs> you know, all out zombie walk. I mean, and they're, gr- I mean, they're great. I mean, they're. Uh, this is one of the, the, the best zombie walks I've ever seen. I mean, really inventive, scary, you know, just costumes, makeup, great makeup jobs. Um, I mean, yeah, good stuff. Have you ever done one? Town. I mean, have you ever been a zombie in the zombie walk? I, you know, I never have. I never have. And uh, it's probably something I'm going to have to do, you know, uh, at some point. Maybe you I'll get, have a little get, cameo. Uh, you need to get Nicotero to make you up. Oh. 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 That'd be so yeah. good. Dude. There you go. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, you know, we're trying to get down to the, uh, uh, probably next season we'll, you know, we'll film uh, a little bit of the uh, Walking Dead there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to him. You know, if, if he lets me, maybe I can be a, an extra or something. That'd Gosh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Be That's awesome. a dream. So I, I wanted to give you, I, I think we're about to run out of time, um, but I wanted to give okay. you a chance to give um, all the information to everybody out there so they can donate or, or contribute to this sure. because it's, it's, so, it's so great. And I absolutely got to tell you, I loved, loved the trailers and I loved um, the People Thank versus you. George Lucas. So you, you bring you. so much great humor and, and, and the style and look of your documentaries is, is amazing. So this is, I, I have really high hopes for this so um well thanks <laughs> no yeah, problem. No, I mean, we're, 
<laughs> no, you know, we're really, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, obviously it's the right time, I think, to make this dog. There's no question about it. And, and you know, as you know, we're pushing the envelope. And just, just you know, getting Geekscape and, and Red Letter Media on board, you, you can expect, you know, some, some pretty awesome, you know, fan <laughs> service, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, yes, it's a documentary. So, obviously, we're going to be looking at, at, you know, factual things. But there's also going to be a lot of speculation, a lot of fun. Uh, and I really want this film to have the, the feel of, uh, you know, just, I mean, just, it has to be as much fun as watching a zombie flick. Um, so, right. so that's kind of what we're going for right now, high production values. And yes, we're on Kickstarter right now. We definitely need the fans to rally behind this project. We've got about a week left. And, um, yeah, we're, we're doing okay. I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but, uh, uh, certainly, if, if uh, you know people can pre-order the film basically right now. I mean, for for twenty bucks you can pre-order a uh, digital download. For forty bucks you can get a Blu-ray special edition with hours of additional content. I mean, heck, you can even get you know on the high end. You can you can be a zombie in the film. You can be an associate or executive producer. I mean, there's really something for for everybody. So uh, uh, all they need to do is go to our website docofthedead.com. And, uh, you know, they'll find the Kickstarter button and, uh, yeah, just, just join in uh, on the fun. So, yeah, I have to, I have to tell you that Simon Pegg was my first interview ever. Oh, nice. Ever. It was, he was the start of the Fangirl magazine, which beget Fangirl radio. And, uh, I ended up talking to him for 45 minutes. So I, anything that man does is special to my heart because he is one of my heroes. So I totally want this yeah. to work for him, for you guys. Cause I know he loves it too, just from, from the footage oh, we saw you. of him in it. So I, I am very excited yeah. about it. And, and we no, love Greg Catero. Yeah. He's been super supportive and, you know, he, he's, uh, occasionally will send tweets about you know about about the film and he's just been a, I mean he's just a great guy so uh, I, I would say that was a, that was one heck of a first interview for you that's uh, yeah we ended up ta- we ended up talking for forty five minutes it was right re- <laughs> nice. Yeah, we geeked out over things. It was pretty hilarious. I, we've um, yeah the fangirls and and Simon have a history. We'll just say yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he the- probably. Well, he well he probably still has the bunny rabbit. I sent him a zombie bunny for his birthday (laughs) many moons ago. Yeah, so there you go. But we we love him and and we support um we support this project wholeheartedly. I can't wait to see it. So, Alexander, thank you again for coming on. And um, my pleasure. We hope to see this in 2014 if the world doesn't end. So. Oh, that's not, the world will be here, and, and so will the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so will the zombies. That's <laughs> well, right, so will the zombies. <laughs> thank you again, sir, and we can't let, we, we're looking forward to it. All right, thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, everybody. Alexander Philippe from uh, The Dock of the Dead, and we are so looking forward to this movie. And um, with that, um, I want to thank Ren, and, and I want to thank Amanda for uh, being on the show tonight. Go support the project and um, dockofthedead.com. Support it. Get your digital download um, pre-ordered and uh, help get the movie made. That's how we do it now. So um, thank you again, and we'll see you next week on Fangirl Radio.